0: The Down for Disruption podcast may contain language and subject matter such as trauma, abuse, sexual violence, mental crisis, homelessness, and other sensitive topics that some may find unsettling or offensive. Views expressed by the host are not that of the Alive Network or its affiliates, nor is any commentary a substitute for medical or clinical advice and treatment. Listeners are welcome to explore the opinions and suggestions of any invited expert, as they do so choose. But medical recommendations of any kind will not be made by any Alive Network party nor its affiliates. The Alive Network and its affiliates assume no responsibility nor liability for any undue distress or harm one should cause as a result of any spoken or written commentary by either the host or guests that listeners misinterpret or take out of context. We thank you for your support. Enjoy the show. Woo! Welcome to Down for Disruption, the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to survive midlife events and a mental health diagnosis. It's a lot, y'all. I am your host, The Menopausal Misbehave Her. AJ Wright's Mental, that's W-R-I-T-E Mental. Here in the safe sandbox, we will heal. We will support one another. All of my magnificent melanin ladies and those who you know, feel hopeless or think they're diagnosable. We're going to talk about generational trauma, family dysfunction, accountability, and hold each other's hands. You'll hear from some great therapists on the show, and hey, we're going to take notes and really, really support one another. So climb into the safe sandbox if you can relate. Whether your issue is hot flashes while going through bipolar episodes, generalized anxiety, about mammogram appointments, hell, dating after divorce and broken vibrators. Listen, down for disruption. We're gonna talk about it all. We're gonna get educated. We're gonna have fun. And hopefully this is a place where you can self-soothe and self-care. Enjoy the show. Well, well, well. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Thank y'all so much for coming back and stopping by the Safe Sandbox here at Down for Disruption. It is episode seven. We are moving right along here in season one, our, our debut season of Down for Disruption. As you heard, the show, the Safe Sandbox for Black and Brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to survive midlife events and and a mental health diagnosis. (laughs) We have a lot going on. Today's episode is sessions over. Self-repair from when you're all by your lonesome after that very first therapy appointment. And I know we've talked a lot about mental health and therapy and last week, you know, about um, generational trauma. And the week before that, our nurse, Joyce Jiggetts, talked to us about, you know, having other providers make referrals for you. So, you know, you can seek mental health care, even if it is Outside of a mental health space, there's always resources for you. We also heard from another therapist, and that was Natasha Washington, who talked to everyone about if you remember the Lashana scenario, going to therapy for the first time. So today, I wanted to really dive into that first episode. Just, just, we've mentioned it, but I want to dedicate an entire hour to just talking about, you know, that that first session, Finding Therapy, what is all this talk, this buzzword is about getting more comfortable with the decision to prioritize your wellness, because essentially that's what you're doing, as well as, you know, dispelling some myths. That that first session can, can really be an eye opener. So today we have with us a wonderful therapist out of Tampa, Florida, by the name of Siobhan Jack. Siobhan, this this here, I told y'all we get some bad chicks on this show. Let me tell you about Siobhan. She is a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed professional counselor, a national certified counselor, author, and life coach. In 2011, Siobhan graduated with her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from the great Bethune-Cookman University, HBCU. And in 2015, she graduated with her Master of Science in mental health counseling from Nova Southeastern University. uh, Her first experience as a mental health counselor included her internship at a domestic violence shelter, where she gained a lot of knowledge about trauma and abuse cycles. Remember, we talked a lot about abuse cycles. It's always starting somewhere. Siobhan has served as a therapist in various settings, such as community mental health centers, the... Baker Act Crisis Stabilization Unit at a hospital there, um, and both in group and private practice. So Siobhan is now the founder and owner-operator of her own solo private practice, Create a New Counseling Services LLC in Daytona Beach, where she provides individual, couple, premarital, and family counseling for adolescents, adults, and the elderly population. So, I mean, th- again, Hey, 2015, so what? She, she's been at this, boots on the ground, and really, really paints a broad brush with her expertise. Siobhan has been featured multiple times on the Sirius XM radio show, Sway in the Morning, the Heather B Show, and a whole lot of other podcasts. When Siobhan is not providing therapy and healing the diaspora, she enjoys spending time with her hubby, her boo-boo, and her son reading and growing her personal library, traveling and binge watching. Get this, y'all, anime and thriller suspense, movies, and television shows. Woo! Okay, sandbox champions. Let's give a round of applause to Mrs. Siobhan Jack. Hey Siobhan. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome.
0: That's great. I love your energy. I've seen you on Instagram and I said, I got to have her on the show. So let's get right into it. Just talking about therapy. I always call it a cash cow because, you know, everybody's on this therapy, 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 probably nowhere near the mental health space. They just want to make a dollar. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I like to talk to professionals, people in The health and wellness and behavioral health space, especially with clinical expertise, to really help the folks understand, one, the gravity of mental health challenges or mental health disorders, even before it gets that far, especially for black and brown women. And two, the importance of talking to someone, even if we're not used to or feeling uncomfortable. So let's start at the beginning. Talk to us, Siobhan, about therapy stereotypes, as well as readiness for therapy.
1: That's a great place to start. So many stereotypes. Oh my goodness, AJ. The biggest one, the biggest stigma there is, is that you need to be crazy. Like there's gotta Mm -hmm. be something wrong to go to therapy. And that's Mm -hmm. not the case. You can be a very high functioning adult. Everything's going great. You don't have issues in your relationships. You just literally want an unbiased opinion. You just want a different perspective Mm -hmm. and you want to have a different way of thinking and just dive a little deeper into things that may have occurred in your life, even from childhood. Um, Another stereotype with therapy is that it's for white people. Mm -hmm. I grew up hearing that all the time, that that's that white people stuff, you know, or that white people-ish. That's not true. Now, yes, white people do go to therapy way more than Black and brown people, but it's not something that's geared just for Caucasian individuals. Another issue or a stereotype with therapy, is the therapists themselves. That's something that a lot of us are fighting, especially black and brown therapists. There's this idea that therapy, you know, if you're a therapist, you're an older white male, you know, the, even just the way that you talk, the way that you dress, like the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm you know, all of that. That's a really big stereotype. Every therapist is, is different. In my office, And I have it here on my windowsill. I literally have anime figurines in my office. (laughs) I have lights. And I forget about it. I have an anime calendar. I forget about these things. So where, when clients come in, they love anime. That's one of the first things they see. They're like, oh my gosh, you like? And they'll say, whatever anime I have. And then we form a connection off that. And they're like, okay, this therapist is a real person. It's not this dry, boring, old geezer as they would like to think of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's it's about the therapist. It's it's about the person. Mm -hmm. Of course, we need to have our license and all those things, but just being more personal with the client. So those are just a few of the stereotypes. And then the other part of your question, forgive me. Uh, Readiness for therapy. Thank you. Thank you. So the readiness for therapy, it's usually if you just want change, period. Mm -hmm. Now, there are different levels of change, you know, for all of your listeners, something really helpful to Google um would be the stages of change because there's literally 12 different stages that determines how ready you are to change. But readiness is based on you seeing there's a problem, acknowledging there's a problem, being aware there's a problem, and just wanting something different. Uh, it's okay to come into therapy and to be a little stubborn, that's normal because we're asking you to think different, to do things different. We're confronting behaviors that you may have never had confronted before or you have, but you've just been in denial about it. So it's okay to have a little bit of resistance. That's fine. But there still needs to be a sense of, let me just open up a little bit and just see what this lady or what this man or what this person is talking about and how to apply it.
0: Okay. Okay. That's good. Because, you know, I think... I think, I I know, you know, when we say, oh, especially as Black folks, well, we don't tell people our business. And the first thing I think about is, okay, how's that helping? You know, our Mm -hmm. generations before us, especially Generation X, you know, we have these baby boomer parents. And let's, let's be honest, we were just... Condition to never disagree or challenge them. But at the same time, we watched them look the other way. I have an episode coming up called, you know, having tough conversations with the caretaker who looked the other way. They protected mm. predators. They, mm. you know, allowed all kinds of
1: stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be powerful. <laughs>
0: they, you know, kept a lot of stuff inside that did not serve us. And now look, everybody over 40 is in therapy. So, you know, yeah. and, and, and I've said that before, it's, It is okay to talk to someone, you know, whether you have something going on or not. But definitely, you know, if you have unaddressed trauma, unmet needs, I like to say a lot of us are walking around stockpiling unmet needs for a later date. Absolutely. Yes. We are stockpiling unmet needs for a later date and it's going to show up whenever it wants to. So tell us, how does one even find a therapist in the first place, especially if they're not knowledgeable about local resources or they may live somewhere where, you know, therapy just not talked about and they don't know where to go?
1: Mm, That's a great question because you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. (laughs) A great place. And I'm even listed on there. The biggest therapy platform to find a licensed mental health professional, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, because there are differences between the three of Mm -hmm. us, would be psychologytoday.com. Okay. Psychologytoday.com is one word. Well, besides On there, what's so cool about Psychology Today is you will find therapists specifically for what you want. So they have different search tools. When you go on, so you can click Black Therapist, Black Female Therapist, a therapist who works with clients who are in the LGBTQIA plus community, a therapist who is a Christian, a therapist who has experience with children. Like there are so many different parameters and it's very specific. And you can also find a therapist that's in your area. And the cool thing about our profile, it shows whether we accept insurance or not, the type of insurance we accept, our prices per session. If we don't accept it, it shows how many years we've been a therapist where we got our, what state we're licensed in and it's verified as well. So once we put our license and our license number, Psychology Today does a background check to make sure it is a real, legit license. Okay. So it's not just me saying I got a license in California and I'm lying. Like they check. Right. Um, so you see the license, you see what we specialize in, how many years we've been a therapist and we even have endorsements, meaning other therapists who know us who say yes, this therapist knows what the heck they're doing. And it will show how many people endorse us in our field that believe, endorse. There's no financial nothing. It's just literally saying, hey, Siobhan's a good therapist. I believe in her. I want my name to be on her profile.
0: Oh, that's good. And I've been on Psychology Today. I've also been on Sandbox Champions. I hope you guys are taking notes. You ladies are taking notes. Excuse me. You, you know how I am. So far, <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about change and you can Google what's called the stages of change. It's an entire framework about the process of how we make changes in mm-hmm. our lives or just at all. PsychologyToday.com is a good resource for finding a therapist in your area. You know, you plug in your zip code and have at it. Also, Dr. Joy has therapyforblackgirls.com. If you are looking for a black and brown therapist, a lot of times it for a whole set of reasons, that's another show. It is really, really good to have a culturally relevant, a culturally responsive and a culturally safe clinician. Yeah, just just go to your best friend, Google. Now, Siobhan, when calling around to search out a good fit, say, you know, I went on to psychologytoday.com, I plugged in my zip code here in Wake County, mm-hmm. North Carolina, and I said, oh, okay, there's this Siobhan lady, and she offers a, you know, 10 minute or 15 minute Discovery call, or something like that. Mm -hmm. What information should a person share, especially about affordability or no insurance, or how much
1: should they share and what should they ask on these discovery calls? That's a great question. One rule of thumb that a lot of people don't realize, and this is going to sound super insensitive, but it's still important for me to tell all of you this time is money. So, some therapists do consultation calls or discovery calls. Some don't. Mm-hmm. When you do call, you don't want to spill everything. You don't want to say, oh, well, I'm seeing therapy because I was in an abusive relationship and then he left and then he came back. And then we got in an argument last week because I caught him. You don't want to go into the nitty gritty of it. Mm-hmm. You want to be as general as possible because more than likely when we take your call, we have our five or 10 minute window before we're getting ready for our next client. Okay. Or we're calling you on a lunch break or right before we're going in to see our first clients or even right after we saw our last client. And really it's time for us to do our notes and then, you know, go be our family people that we are or just our private lives whatever. So it's not that you calling is an inconvenience at all. Never. You can never inconvenience a therapist by calling, but you want to be cognizant of the time that you do take up, honestly. There's 10 minute calls I've given people and they literally, because my boundary, I'm going to throw myself under the bus. I'm a very candid therapist, but because at the time my boundary was not in place, I didn't enforce it. That what should have been a 10 minute call turned into an hour and a half. Oh, wow. So you want to be mindful of it, but of course it ultimately is up to the therapist to enforce the boundary. But during that call, you want to say in general why you're calling. So, hey, I've been struggling with depression for a few years, or I'm having issues with boundaries, or I feel codependent, or I just I don't know, something just feels off with my mental health, and I just know I need help. Then you want to also ask, What is your therapy structure? Like? Oh, okay. Do you do Zoom calls? Do you do in person? How long are your sessions? Because get this, AJ, people believe therapy is an hour. Very seldom is it an hour. Because if I see you, AJ, at two o'clock and then I have Mr. Brown at three o'clock, if I see you from two to three, how can I start him right at three? Right. So usually what we call a therapy hour is only 45 to 50 minutes. Okay. That's it. So you want to ask a therapist, what's the structure? Like how long are your sessions? Do you do in person? Do you do virtual? Um, if you do virtual, is there a certain platform I need to use? Like I use Doxy.me. Some therapists only use Zoom and then there's other platforms out there. You also want to ask your therapist, are you licensed? That's a big one. <laughs> therapists need to be licensed, but there are some who practice without being licensed. So you want to ask, are you licensed? And if they give you their name, look up the license because that's public information. You want to look after they're done. You know, you don't you call, look them up, make sure the license is not revoked, is not suspended. They don't have any pending, you know, disciplinary behaviors for sexual allegations, whatever it is. Look that stuff up. It's public knowledge for a reason. It's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Ask them if they have a website. Because you get to see a lot about therapists on their website. You can get a sense of their professionalism. You can get a sense of any testimonials they've had, um, what type of therapy they do, et cetera. All therapists don't have a website, but a lot of us do. So say they don't have a website. A great question to ask, well, what type of therapy do you do? What modality do you use? Okay. So are you CBT? Are you psychotherapy? Do you do hypnosis? I ask them, what type of therapy or modality do you use? And then you want to ask, do you have experience in what I'm dealing with? Perfect. So if I specialize in depression and you're coming to me for psychosis, I don't need to see you. Right. I don't need to be your therapist because I'm limited. I can't help you that much. Mm-hmm. If you're coming to me for marital issues, but I've never seen a couple before, I don't know if you want to come to me. Now, I'm making this up. I do couples all the time. Right. But- I don't think I'm your therapist. You want to ask them, hey, these are my issues that I have. This is what I need help with. Mm -hmm. Do you specialize in this? How much experience do you have in this? Are you comfortable with this? Exactly.
0: You know, and I've said that before because I said I think people watch these ridiculous reality shows and say, okay, first of all, they have this idea, okay, anybody can do this, and actually, Dr. Raquel Martin addressed that on her TikTok, and when somebody said in her comments that, um. Oh, everybody's a therapist now. I guess anybody could do this. And you know how she is. She broke it down. Like, uh, no, it ain't, Absolutely that not. Easy. it ain't that easy and everybody it's can't do One it's and two, not. you're not just talking to people. You know what I mean? No, It's it's, it's the same scenario with these reality shows. You sit on the couch, you talk about childhood, you cry. And then the next episode, you're acting a fool all over again. That is not therapy. And a lot of what you see on TV, a real therapist would not allow in their office. Half of it is unethical, completely unethical. And most of it is very edited and scripted, but that's... Exactly. You're so I've, I've said, you know, people, you have to realize it's not just sitting down and spilling out your problems. People mm-hmm. you specialize in different things, just like with any industry. I'm a mental yeah. health educator. Just because I hold the title as a health educator, you can't come to me and ask me about mechanics. I don't know how to teach you anything about a car. You
1: mm-hmm.
0: know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing with therapy. Like you said, if you, you know, have an eating disorder, you want to go to a therapist who specializes in PTSD with hostages. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? If if, like us, we're over 40 and, you know, say I've, you know, and I've said this on the show before I say it again, I've been sexually assaulted twice. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I, with my issues and the type of trauma that I have, I can't go to a therapist who specializes in identity crisis because of workplace issues and losing your job after 30 years. They can't help you with your trauma from sexual violence. This is what Siobhan is saying. So once a person has decided on a therapist, is there any way that they can, you know, prepare for that session? I'll, I'll combine questions uh, four and five. Is there any way that they can prepare for that session if they're, you know, hesitant or fearful or nervous? And what should they expect out of session one, you know, in terms of like goals or solutions and like you've seen on TV. I
1: didn't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, great questions. Um, one way you want to prepare, and it actually goes back to the previous question you just asked, you want to know what the therapist charges financially because you need to be prepared financially. Whether they take your insurance, whether there's a copay, whether they don't take insurance and just use the sliding scale. So you want to make sure you have your money together. And if you don't, let the therapist know ahead of time, hey, I'm not going to have this. Like, what do you recommend going forward? Like, maybe you thought you would have the money and you didn't or, you know, whatever the case is, letting them know, hey, I'll get paid in two weeks. Can we meet in two weeks or what else? Or do you do payment plans, et cetera, right? So you want to make sure you're financially prepared. But aside from that, preparing for your first therapy session, the best way to do it is literally to show up. Okay. Because we get in our heads about it. Like, okay, what information should I present to them? And I I see all the time clients will come in and in their mind, they had an agenda, but that first session, we're not touching your agenda yet because the first session is usually an information gathering session. Oh, okay. So you're not going to go in talking about your trauma. You're not going to go in talking about your terrible relationship or your work issues, et cetera. It's just really establishing a baseline of, hey, what are your symptoms? How are you feeling? Things of that nature. Most therapists have you complete an intake before you come in. Like, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. So in that first session, my very, very, very first question I always ask every client is, what was the one thing that happened that made you decide, you know what, I need to go talk to somebody? That's good. You You can have a whole history of trauma but really it was your boss giving you extra work on Friday and you wanted to beat him up and you're like you know what before I hurt this man let me talk to somebody <laughs> and that's where we're starting you know so the the big thing is is you want to show up for some clients you know a little bit more of my type a clients who are very orderly um I do tell them make a little bullet list that's fine the things you know you want to talk about in general But because it's so much information gathering and even if we do dive into some stuff, whatever you think you're going to talk about, I promise you, either you're not going to or you are going to talk about it, but not to the extent that you want to. Because you're presenting information to me, but with that one little piece of thing you gave me, I'm asking you 10 different questions that got us on a different track and you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. But nobody's ever asked me that. So I would say the biggest way to prepare is literally to show up Mm -hmm. and to come open-minded. Okay. The second part of what you asked, I think, is what happens during the first session. What should they expect
0: as terms, as goals or solutions? Address, you know, how you see on TV. And I'm always going back to TV because I know, unfortunately, that's where people get their information from. Where people say, okay, I just sat and talked. All I did uh, was vent. I didn't accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. Address that.
1: Yes. um, That's a beautiful, beautiful question and scenario. I'll tell you, you're not going to accomplish anything. Because <laughs> here's the problem. When they say on TV, like, oh, I didn't accomplish anything. What they're really saying is, I've been hurting. And I thought just telling you about it this time, there, there, this one time of telling you about how I hurt was going to erase the hurt. No, therapy don't work like that. <laughs> it takes a lot more sessions. There's clients I've literally been seeing for a year and some of them three years. And we're still working through stuff because every time we dig deeper and we accomplish one level of healing, there's now another level of healing. that right. we So the accomplishment part is not about erasure. It's not about erasure of, of your hurt or getting a big understanding of things. The accomplishment is really you showed up and you decided to be honest with me. That is what you need to focus on is the goal of session one Mm -hmm. and even the next two or three sessions right after that. How honest can I be in telling my therapist about how I really feel and what really happened to me and what I really think? Okay. Did I actually show up for it and not just... Sitting here, trying to present to them to make it seem like I got myself together or I'm not that hurt or I'm not that traumatized. Right. I, I, I've, I've telling people, I said it does not happen
0: in, you know, 30 minutes or an hour and magically you're cured. You know what I mean? It's not. Again, it's a whole nother episode. it's not what you see on fix my life. One, you're not fixing anything.
1: Um, No, correct.
0: (laughs) Talk about it. One, you're not fixing anything. Two, if you're no disrespect to my life coaches, I love my life coaches, but if you're a life coach and not a licensed trauma specialist therapist, stay in your lane. Three. There's a difference. Right. There's there's a difference. difference. (laughs) Three, you know, again, what you see on TV, the aggression, the forcing people to cry, basically, being, basically, a big bully and, and and then giving a person a hug afterwards after they cry, beloved. No, that is not therapy. Yeah. And as a it therapist is. friend of mine said, it just reinforces the tough love, big mama narrative. We got a lot of tough love growing up and guess what? We're all in therapy. You know what I mean? Yes. Tough love yes. does not work with trauma recovery. It doesn't. So ladies, yeah. if you're taking notes, under the website, you know, Siobhan gave us some good information. You know, ask the, the therapist, what is your therapy modality? Like, what types of therapy do you do? How long is the session? What insurances do you take? Do you offer a payment plan? And also understanding that very first session, it is for, you know, information gathering. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're not even really touching your why. It's establishing uh Relationship, as I always say, you know, you just might spill all the beans—red, white, navy, and pinto—you know—to yes. a perfect stranger. All the take-to-your-grade stuff, and look, we didn't get messed up overnight. We're not going to heal overnight. So mm-hmm. that first session—I mean, it—it it, it could go a lot of different ways. That's good. Um, what I, I want to talk about is, you know, general, j- just based on your experience and what people have told you as far as feedback from the first session, I want to talk about, you know, what you can possibly feel in terms of your emotions and, and you know, emotional safety after you just sat down for the very first time, even thinking about, addressing some problems, like trauma history type problems. Cause I know with me after my very first therapy session ever, and I think this was in 2007 or eight, I just felt exposed afterwards. I felt embarrassed. I even felt, you know, shame. I, again, just Spilled all the beans, and that was at um, Christian Psychotherapy in Virginia Beach. And the one thing I liked about that practice, I guess people hear, you know, Christian Psychotherapy, that folks are gonna just start laying hands on you and praying for you. Yeah, and
1: it's not even it's, like it's,
0: that. It's not <laughs> like that. He he listened to me. He talked. He asked me about my faith beliefs. We had a good conversation. He told me based on the answers I gave on the intake and some things that happened in 2001, what he thought was going on with me, not a diagnosis. And at the end he said, do you mind if we pray? And I went, oh, okay. I still felt like crap afterwards because I'm talking about stuff in 2007 that I had not talked about since 2001. I mean, Siobhan, I was just like, I couldn't breathe. (laughs) It was a lot. And that's why I wanted to name this particular episode title you know self repair after that very first session you know how do you do damage control once session's over nobody else to talk to more than likely you're going home to what sent you to therapy in the first place how do you manage those emotions and you know just feeling exposed and wide open or even disappointed after that first session
1: um, another great question i know i keep saying that but you're asking some really really great questions uh-huh. seriously i remember my very first therapy session and yes i'm a therapist who has a therapist if a therapist has never been a therapy run that's a problem because <laughs> we got to work our stuff out too how can we help you if ours is not worked out right i remember after my first night, i literally felt like emotionally violated that was the best way to describe it, it felt like you just took all of my emotions and you put them out there and it felt like you didn't even care that I was upset or you didn't care that I felt exposed, you know? Because that first session, especially really, I would say like the first two, because mm-hmm. the second one, you really started to get into stuff a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You are really talking about things you haven't talked about and it feels like you take things personal. Like, why would they ask me that? Why, why are they getting me to think that way? And it's a part of the process. I will say one problem that a lot of clients of mine have and people in general, after that first session when they're really like pouring things out, whether it's the first or second one, they want to fix it. Mm -hmm. They don't like feeling uncomfortable. And I usually encourage my clients to stay uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to mask it yet because that's what got you here in the first place technically. okay. I want you to sit in that discomfort and ask yourself, why do I feel this? Because emotions are messengers our feelings are trying to communicate something with us so the more discomfort you feel whether you're feeling exposed insecure frustrated skeptical distant detached irritated doubtful whatever it is that's just a couple no matter what it is ask yourself what are you trying to tell me all right skepticism what are you trying to tell me All right, inferiority, what are you trying to tell me? So ask yourself what the message is first. And if you get something from it, great. If not, you still feel like, well, I don't know what to do. It's just, I'm just feel overwhelmed. Like I can't handle it. That's okay too. Then let's start to do something to soothe, which is you want to, and I know everyone doesn't like journaling, but you want to write something down. You don't have to do these great big paragraphs, but at least write down. After the therapy session, I feel overwhelmed or I feel anxious or I feel sad or I feel discouraged. Because the more you can pin down the emotion, when you go back to therapy, and you tell your therapist that we can make a better connection of why you felt it before you do more than likely. So you want to write down what you're feeling. And then after that, you want to do something that usually can relax you. So if you're somebody who does like trash TV, right? (laughs) And the reason why, real quick, the reason why a lot of people like trash TV um, is because one, it makes them feel better that their life isn't as trash. So they're like, okay, yeah, I have issues in my relationship, but, you know, love and hip hop because I used to watch it years ago. But at least, you know... I'm not Rashida who's been married to Kurt for 17 years and he had a baby by a stripper. You know, you, you feel better in a sense. Right. Um, and two, it's just a, a distraction. It's not a healthy distraction, but it's a distraction. Um, and it is entertaining. Like you said earlier, it's scripted. It's fake. That stuff is not real. Are there real elements to it On as far as their dysfunction? Yes. But we know it's very scripted. So it's entertaining. So whether it's watching something, Personally, one of my coping skills is movies. I love movies. I literally go to movies by myself at least once a week. They know my name. They know my (laughs) order by heart. It's really, really bad. (laughs) Like, oh, Shabon, we're here to see Barbie this week because I'm going to go see Barbie tomorrow probably. I love that because it's a lot of solace for me. I don't have to talk to anybody. Okay, And even though my husband and I go together, I go more often by myself because I don't have to I don't have to. I'm not needed, basically. So think about that thing that makes you feel solace, that makes you feel peace. Mm-hmm. But I want to warn all of your viewers: what you want to stay away from, though, when you're trying to soothe after a therapy session, anything that is going to intoxicate you. Oh, so that is okay. Now I do know there is a healthy element of, hey, I have a glass of wine. I do understand that, but the problem is. If you go and you have your one glass of wine, more than likely it's not going to stay just one. It's going to increase. And then you're making a muscle memory, a mind-muscle memory connection of when I go to therapy and I get overwhelmed, I go home and I drink. Or I smoke or I do whatever so that I don't have to think about it anymore. And now you're detaching from your feelings. And that's not healthy. That's not good at all. That's the opposite of what any therapist wants you to do. We want you to feel your feelings because they're going to expose areas of growth that you need. And you're bringing that back to us. And we can tell you, this is how you grow. Like, let's navigate that with you. So that's the one thing you definitely want to stay away from. But whether it's doing things like, and this is a tricky road too, AJ, what I'm about to say. (laughs) Because there's a duality in life. There's good and bad and everything. But if it's, hey, I love ice cream. I want to go to Baskin Robbins and get a scoop. Or I like insomnia cookies. Obviously, I like to eat. Let me go get a cookie. That's great. But you still want to be careful because you don't want to end up stress eating or binge eating. you know. But if, if little treats, if you will, bring you a little perk, there's no problem with that at all. Some of the things you may feel after that session, definitely feeling overwhelmed, maybe feeling a lack of support. Um, especially if you're going back to the environment that sent you there mm-hmm. to begin with. So, you want to focus on the fact that you even went, like you're taking a step towards change. Change is not going to be instant, but you're on the right path and let that come for you as well. Okay. Okay. That is really
0: good. Y'all, I told you, Siobhan Jack is, she, she just, she is the bad chick. This is the, the Nini Links of therapy. That's. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what we have here today. Now um, for this <laughs> Okay, so let me see. We got about fifteen minutes left, and I got a couple more questions. And you talk about returning basically to the triggers. You know, if that relationship sent you to therapy, now you got to go home to him or her or mama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or you went to therapy on your lunch break. Now you got to go put up with the boss who you want to punch in the face. Talk to us about tools, you know, I guess besides journaling or something like radical acceptance and mindfulness, you know, or things you can use until radical acceptance and mindfulness become second nature. And also explain what those are and how they're helpful.
1: Great question. So the radical acceptance is more about ensuring there's no denial. Okay. You know, it's really about immersing yourself in, hey, this is the situation. And I'm not going to try to fight it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to understand it and and do better to involve myself in the actual process of accepting it. I love telling my clients, treat the situation as it is, not as it should be. Good. When you keep focusing on what should be, or that's my mom, she shouldn't act like that, or my husband should do this, or they shouldn't. You're taking away your time and energy on focusing on a real solution because you're over here in a make-believe world, in a made-up reality, because guess what? That ain't it. (laughs) If it was supposed to be that way, it would, but it's not. So let's focus on what is so we can actually get something happening for your resolution. So that's more so about the radical acceptance and mindfulness, which I'm going to segue into something you can do with it. Mindfulness is literally being more aware than what you naturally are. Okay. So when you increase your awareness, you increase your chances of acceptance. How can I accept that I have an issue with depression. If I'm not even aware that I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. So with mindfulness, a great activity that I love to give my clients that are overwhelmed, especially if they're very, very anxious. Um, and this will help even after that first session you're talking about. Okay. It's called the 54321. I don't know if you ever heard of it or not. Yes, I have. You have okay, great. So you're using your five senses, right? Mm-hmm. But you get to decide which sense corresponds to which number. So Five. We are feeling overwhelmed. We are going to look for five things we can see. So right now, talking to you, I see AJ. I see my yellow candle. I see my water bottle. I see my literally 200 books in here. You can't see it, but I can. And I see my green plant. Now, here's a cool thing. When you talk about what you see, be specific. Don't just say, I see books. Like the fact that I said I have 200 plus books, I know because I've counted them before. It helps me to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more focused on how many books it is, which further gets me away from the uncomfortable feeling. So that was five. So now another sense. We're going to go for maybe, let's say touch. So four things I can touch. I can touch the desk. I can touch my chapstick, I can touch this crumb from <laughs> cookies I ate earlier, I need to wipe my desk, and I could touch my nose, right? Um, then three, three things that I smell maybe. And then two, two things that I hear, and one, one thing that I taste. Now, I normally like to use taste last because depending on where you are, you might not have a lot of things you can taste. Now, if I'm at home, like I am now in my office, and I'm feeling overwhelmed, five things I can taste, that's a little bit easier because I can go right downstairs to the kitchen and get five different things, right? Whether it's water, cookies, chicken, whatever. (laughs) So the five, four, three, two, one helps you to become more mindful because it's making you focus on what the situation is, what is around you. Because the more you focus on those types of things, the less you're focusing on what's triggering you. Okay. Um, Some other practical things that you can do if you're feeling overwhelmed. You can look for things that actually stimulate you. Because one of the mistakes we make when we're overwhelmed, we think we need to just relax. But sometimes it's just a matter of switching the stimulation. Mm -hmm. So something that stimulates me even though I can feel relaxed when watching anime, if I'm watching anime where it's like a lot of fighting scenes, I get hype. And I'm like, yeah, get can, I'm get You know? So maybe that's something that I can do if I'm feeling overwhelmed. So look for things that stimulate you in a healthy way. And that usually taps into your senses. Mm-hmm. So if you love the smell of candles, right? Literally sniffing three different candles if you're a candle person. Or, I don't know, if you like the smell of coffee, deciding to drive to a Dunkin' Donuts it, or Starbucks, letting that smell of, of coffee hit you and getting a coffee cake as well, letting that smell hit you and then tasting that. Another practical thing you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed, I love this one. You get a piece of paper <laughs> and you are going to write whatever has pissed you off, whatever is angered you, whatever's overwhelmed you, whatever you're worried about. It doesn't have to be neat. It doesn't have to be a story. Say if it's your kids, you could put down your kid's name, right? And then what you're going to do, AJ, you're going to tear it. Okay. And that sounds so like terrible, right? Why would you tear a kid's name? But we're going somewhere with this. I promise. You're going to tear it and then you're going to tear it. And you're going to keep tearing it until it's in tiny little pieces where you literally cannot tear it anymore. What that does is a couple things. One, it helps you to visualize because you wrote down what the worry is. So it's very symbolic of this person or situation was worrying me and now it's gone. It's not physically in front of me anymore. I can release it. The second thing that it does, it literally tires you out. If you do this activity the right way, you are going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm tired of tearing paper. And you're not even thinking about what has gotten you so upset or overwhelmed. To got it with. and then three is giving you something to physically do so it's not just a tiring piece it's very tactile it's using the physical aspect of motion and movement in a positive way you ever hear people say they get upset and if they punch a wall or even a person they feel better afterwards yeah And you're like, what? How can you? Like, that's damaging because it's literally physical exertion. It's energy. It's a force. It really does help. Of course, it's not safe, but it does help. It's another way to be productive. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. um, i worked at a client. Great idea if anybody has the space to do this. Their dad drank beer. The dad was not an alcoholic, but he had a lot of beer and and he was okay. And he always um, recycled the glass bottles. So what my client did, because she had a really big property, whenever she would get mad, she would take the bottles in a closed space, in the, the drawer or whatever, and she would slam down the bottles, right? And it felt good because she wasn't hurting anyone, mm-hmm. wasn't hurting herself. It was just, I'm literally throwing this down with force. Our bodies want to be tired and get things out. And that's what the paper does for it. And another client I've had would get a piece of plywood okay. and nail. And they would hammer a nail all the way in. until so they could not hammer the nail anymore. And they would keep hammering different nails. So in the end, it would be like 30 or 50 nails, depending on how upset they were. And not only were they physically tired, but it was a physical manifestation of, wow, look at how many times I've done this. That's how many times I could have gone out mm-hmm. and gotten drunk or I could have gone out and gotten into a fight or X, Y, Z. So tearing up that piece of paper is a safe in a very concise way to make yourself physically tired as well, and get out any of those uncomfortable emotions. That's so just good. are a couple little random things you can do. Yeah, there,
0: there's always different strategies. Uh, Siobhan has given us a lot today, ladies. You know, especially about strategies and coping. You know, um, going back home the triggers and coping when you feel you know just exposed after the first therapy session, remembering to treat the situation as it is, not as it should be. Um, the mindfulness exercise, that's, that is awesome. I wanted to touch on, you know, Other resources, and I'm careful with that one Mm -hmm. because people might say, Oh, I feel better after watching my favorite YouTuber, or I go to a shaman down at the Mm -hmm. you know, feel better temple of USA. Mm -hmm. You need credentialed help for medical problems, people. You really do. You Mm -hmm. can't skimp, or I mean, yes, sure. Not everybody needs a therapist, but when you need therapy, that's not a time to skimp and save money. It's like the people who want plastic surgery, but they go to a hotel in Columbia. Yes. You know what I mean? So talk to us about other resources and supportive services that a therapy newbie or not can make use of to bridge or, or just at all until therapy is established, or while they're thinking about maybe trying therapy.
1: So, a great place of resources if you just don't know what to do is two one one. That was something we learned about in undergrad. Okay, and they help when it comes to mental health, when it comes to food, uh, when it comes to being able to pay bills. Because a lot of therapy issues stem from socioeconomic issues Uh so you're depressed you're anxious you have suicidal thoughts because your life is so difficult because you can't pay the bills or you don't have enough money to buy food or your kids don't have christmas gifts Mm -hmm. two on one is a great resource another thing if you feel like hey therapy i'm still kind of on the fence about but i don't know um, there are definitely self help groups in the community. Mm-hmm. Google's going to be your best friend for this, but there are self help groups. Um, they say if you have an alcohol issue, you know, going to AA. If you're a sex addict, there's SA, right? Sex Addicts Anonymous. Any type of drug use, there's always groups that help. Other resources for sure you want to tap into looking online. And, and I say this with caution because you said it earlier and you were 100% correct. Everybody wants to be a therapist all of a sudden. But following actual therapists, like I have my own Instagram, right? Going there and seeing, is that therapist offering anything? One thing that I do is talk to a therapist Tuesday and I typically do it every Tuesday, but every now and then I have a scheduling conflict. But it's really just a free live. It's me going live on Instagram once a week, you can ask me any question you want. And I always give a disclaimer. This is not actual therapy. It's different because you're <laughs> not in my office. We're not talking for 15 minutes. You're not paying me. But because you come on here and you can ask questions... I will still give you therapeutic insight at no cost, no problem at all. And I have a lot of people who tell me, Siobhan, this is very therapeutic for me. This helps me because I can't afford therapy right now. Mm -hmm. So like the gems you drop about codependency and the things you talk about when it comes to relationship advice and stuff, I've been able to apply it and I love it. And then just going to this therapist page, seeing what they are able to give. Some therapists do actual free workshops. I've done free workshops Mm -hmm. about mental health before. The reels that we post, you know, I have reels about relationships, reels about trauma, you know, that's free, literally. Mm -hmm. Social media is the biggest platform when it comes to free mental health health, but you just need to make sure that that therapist is licensed and they know what they're talking right. about, literally. They don't just go to somebody just because they have a podcast and a mic and they think they know everything, <laughs> that's not me. you know? You've seen a lot of those pop up. Yes. Um, I literally commented on somebody's podcast yesterday because they said the most asinine thing, honestly, about relationships. And I'm like, okay, look, I need to plug myself. If y'all agree with this man and you care about changing, come see me because this man is wrong. Right. If you, you agree, it's wrong. So you want to be careful, but going to therapist websites, their social media pages, seeing what they give out, that's helpful as well. Um, another resource, if you're just not feeling therapy or you're not there yet, even if you are religious, there are support groups usually as well. A lot of churches now, I've linked up with a lot of churches in Florida. They are more open towards therapy because they realize, hey, Jesus just doesn't help. Mm. Like we we need more. And, and don't get me wrong, I love the Lord. Jesus is a great help. I love you, God. But Jesus created therapists for a reason. So those are some things that you want to look at to what your local churches are giving and providing for mental health.
0: That's good. That's good. Because, you know, I I say, you know, use your resources. Even if you're in therapy, you know, you have support groups, you know, the um, folks who are addicted have sponsors, you have Mm -hmm. peer support specialists, you have hotlines. I'm a certified peer support specialist in the state of North Carolina, as well as a RAP facilitator. I'll go into one of these shows and talk about why the wellness recovery action plan model is so helpful in developing Mm. a wellness toolkit and advanced, you know, directives. I'm careful with that word, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. That is really, really helpful. A lot of people don't know that like, oh, I thought I had to, you know, have an addiction or actual diagnosis in order to go to these groups. No, you can show up and say, hey, I want to talk. And also social media outreach. Again, you find some Talking head who calls themselves a counselor, like it's, it's okay to go on their live and say, Hey, what state are you licensed in? I'm this, that, and the other. They get hesitant or they get stuttering. Mm-hmm. License? What do you mean, license? You know what I mean? Whatever you see in these profiles, go to Google. You can always look up, just like with nurses and doctors, you can always Google and find the licensing number. You can call the licensing board. Even if it's not graduation time, like, hey, what's going on with this person? People's, you know, their dissertations and stuff are on LinkedIn. You can really find out what a person is about. There's a particular psychiatrist, a Black woman. We'll have her on the show one day. Dr. Tracy Marks, she has a membership. It's only $19.99 a month. And I said, you know what? My therapist isn't covered by my insurance, and that's $158 a month. You know, mm-hmm. she's not a substitute for Carla, but look, I like that 1999 because yeah, she yeah. has lives. I can talk to therapists therapist about my meds. She has the group. She has a blog and she has a bunch of journaling artwork that you can download.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? So s- social media is very, very powerful. Thank you it so is. much for joining us today, Siobhan. This was oh, really, really God. good. Sandbox champions. I hope you guys got something out of this now you mentioned instagram siobhan mm-hmm. so how can people find you and what is your instagram handle
1: so my instagram handle actually all of my handles all across the board instagram facebook i, I post on facebook but my lives are on instagram instagram is my heavy heavy mm-hmm. therapy presence um it's create a new counseling so c-r-e-a-t-e a-N-E-W-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G. Creates A New Counseling. My website is also counseling.com. You'll get on there. You'll be able to see what I look like, all that good stuff, testimonials, the type of therapy I do. My approach, you know, more about me, my products that I sell, everything, so everything is literally creating new counseling. That's good. Do you I mean, are you taking new patients right now?
0: If so, for what state and what insurance insurances do you accept?
1: Yes, I am taking new clients Excuse the new clients right now in the state of Florida, and in the state of Virginia. Okay. And if you like me, you want to work with me, but you're like, hey, you're not licensed in this state, two cool things about that. One, there's an interstate compact that's literally being worked out right now with the government to where by late fall of next year, as long as your state participates in it, you'll be able to see therapists in other states that are not licensed in your state. Oh. So you're in California. California is one of the states that are participating. Almost all of them, except for like eight crazy ones um, aren't doing it. And I say crazy, not loosely at all, because I think it's ridiculous and asinine not to jump on that, because obviously everyone needs help right. to an extent. But they say, hey, Siobhan's licensed in Florida and Virginia they're part of this interstate compact. So are we in California or so are we in Delaware wherever you can see her and then you'll be able to see me. But if you can't wait until then, I can still help you now um, through life coaching. It's similar to therapy. Of course it's not therapy specifically, but it is still very helpful. But the actual licensure is in Florida and Virginia. Okay. And for now, for now.
0: Okay. And um, lastly, what um, insurances do you accept?
1: Yes, yes. So I am one of those therapists who do not take insurance, actually. Okay. I just do a sliding scale because insurance is very, very, very difficult. I've had experience in the insurance world, and there's a lot of red tape and a lot of kickback in the sense of they deny a lot. And then my client ends up having to foot the bill, and it's, it's a hot mess. So I just do straight private practice, solo pay. And the good thing about it is if... Or at least when, not if. When I give you a diagnosis, is not reported to an insurance company, so it does not follow you. Good.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: There's no job that can try to tap in and ask anything with your insurance. None of that. So it does make for a more private experience, a more confidential experience as well.
0: That's good. And your website is createanewcounseling.com. Okay. Okay, everybody. We, 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 we have Siobhan Jack on here. I told y'all she, she's got some energy and she is the NeNe Leaks of Therapy. Okay, so I um I I hope everybody was able to take notes and got some actionable steps. Y'all know that's my favorite two words about coping and and strategies. And it's okay if you need to talk to someone. Please break that generational habit and that thinking of well, we don't need to talk to anybody. That's you know for white folks. We can just pray about it. Okay, right. if you could just pray about it, I guess that's why religious people never commit suicide, right? So, Mm. yeah, we we got to get to talking, you know, even if it's not about anything traumatic. And the ladies here over 40, y'all know good and darn well, we got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Thank you so much, Siobhan. I am going to follow you on social media and I cannot wait
1: till the live next Tuesday. Okay? thank you. And AJ, actually, if I could tell you one more thing for people who are not able to do therapy as well self-help books help a lot okay so you want to go on amazon um you want to look at you know books based on trauma, et cetera. Look at the reviews, all that. Even asking a therapist, hey, I was thinking about getting this book or can you recommend books to me? Because I have no problem. If people contact me, they're like, hey, I can't do therapy, but can you tell me some books on trauma? What? Absolutely. I will not gatekeep. And then another thing, shameless plug real quick, I have a therapy journal as well that's really helpful. I have people who do not come to me for therapy, but they just use this bad boy and I use it as well and they love it. What's the name of so, it? It's called The Road Traveled, My Therapeutic Journey, and it's on my website. It's under products as well. So you're able to record your therapy sessions if you're in therapy, and it's also a daily tracker for your mental health as well. It really, really helps. So you want to look into that as well.
0: All right. You heard it here first. We had therapist, another scholarly expert, brown woman extraordinaire, Siobhan Jack. Thank you you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Whew. Another day of healing on the books, my sandbox champions. We did it, ladies. Did y'all enjoy today's episode? Hey, listen, shoot me an email at lowercase letter. i disrupt at disruption.buzz. I disrupt at disruptionb dot Of course we're starting a buzz. I'd love to hear from each and every last one of y'all. Now, again, while I aj do not give clinical advice we we do welcome your feedback here about the show any thoughts on you know how you're currently healing or adjusting the diagnosis anything you want to share maybe a, a testimony or anything like that or heck maybe just one event look aj i get it life is lifing right perhaps you've already started some type of uh, self-repair routine that you want to share? Okay, let us know. And and where are my generational curse breakers? Y'all better pull up. Anybody having that tough conversation with mama or somebody else who looked the other way, breathe, I get it. I get it. And we are all in the safe sandbox to heal together. Be sure to subscribe to Down for Disruption on the Alive podcast app on iOS and Android, where you can support this podcast monthly and and share your favorite moments there as well follow down for disruption on instagram at down for disruption once again the down for disruption podcast is the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to manage midlife while battling a mental health diagnosis we are out here ladies thank you so much for your time as usual i had a blast i am your favorite menopausal misbehave her AJ Wright Mental. That's W-R-I-T-E Mental. See you in the sandbox next Saturday at one o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Have a good Saturday, y'all. Bye-bye.